that's one of the first things that I want to hit on with these players is because if you're going to only like something because you're good at it, we are going to struggle with other things. Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. Champion School, we're sitting down with some of the brightest minds in the game, chatting a little life, chatting a little sports. My name is Ray McIntyre. That is Austin Byler, BZB. It is, what, Tuesday, March 22nd? Another great day out here in the springtime. we got college baseball is rolling. MLB is on fire. Major League University is crazy busy. Can you break it down for us? Tell the people what we're up to. Yes, sir. Just got back from a good weekend in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, it was our third time back there. Uh, shout out to Cabrera and the Valor and Valkyrie programs, baseball, softball. They do a great job out there. And uh, so many kids from different programs. I think the best part was after at the end of the day, we had kids from even as far as three, three and a half hours away. And um, Todd goes, hey, so what programs do we have here? And there's like four or five programs represented so we did a break for every single program. I was like, that's pretty cool, right? Like everybody comes together, you know, like whatever we'll see. Now they're probably going to hate each other on the field, right? But, um, hey, when we're practicing together, it shows that we can all come together and work hard. So that was a good weekend. We had over 50 kids, uh, and that's just going to continue to grow there. And Casper, it's a lot of fun. Really good setup. Love their indoor facility, and the weather was beautiful. So we stayed away from the snow this weekend, which was nice. Um, but really good, though. Then last night, we got to work with uh, Ralston Valley High School out of Colorado. They came down here for spring break tournament at the Coach Bob Classic. Uh, pretty cool tournament out here in Arizona and um, teams from all over the the states come out here and uh, really good competition so got to work with them great dude shout out Ingrid uh, one of our leadership athletes moms she always gets it done so she got that hooked up and, and taken care of with the staff there and um, good stuff coming up here soon we got a little bit of a break for camp wise until April um, going into the end of April back to the hometown of the legend Ray Mack winners California yeah, and then we got uh, Main Coast Colorado near Durango I better not mix that up <laughs> and then uh, we We've got a couple speaking engagements coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So looking good here on our end, uh, super excited and moving the ball forward. Yeah. And if, if the people are wondering, Austin is not a habitual smoker. He has uh, <laughs> some congestion going on today and it is what it is, but that's the travel life. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's kick it over. College baseball whip around. Any highlights, anything on the top 25 that you had taken a gander at? I mean, I can run through mine first if you'd rather. Oh, dude, Tennessee. I mean, dude, how are they not number one overall? They got a dude throwing 104, right? Touch 104. <laughs> and then throws a 91 mile per hour changeup. Like, dude, why are you even in college anymore? And then, um, they're they're freaking killing it, dude. 19 and one. They've been dynamite. Uh, Virginia obviously is 19 and one as well. They're killing it. Um, a couple notables that dropped out, uh, Notre Dame, right? Kind of. Had a little skid there. Arizona taking a couple from Stanford. That was a big weekend. And Stanford dropped out of the top 25, I believe, after a really hot start. So um, Arizona moving up the polls. That's a big weekend right there for them, especially in Pac-12 play. Uh, a lot of good competition, though, man. It's been crazy to watch it happen, right? We're ready to see it go. There's one more. Oh, uh, Clemson dropped out, I think, too. Um, who was the other one that I was looking at, though, that I was – oh, uh, was it Georgia. UConn, UConn, that's who it was. Mm -hmm. UConn, dude, a sneaky team. They've played one game at home all year. They dude, in Florida and California. That's it. They that's the Northeast, and they're nasty. Like they've been consistently good for the last 
don't know, five, seven years, because I mean, that conference alone up in the Northeast there is like challenging. I don't even know what they're in American, I believe, but that they play indoors for like, I don't know, four months. Right. And so they have to travel. That's why they get that crazy RPI bump too, because they play so many road games early, but they're successful, man. I mean, if you can go on the road after not being able to hit or play outside for most of your, your time, I mean, good for you. So. Yeah. Very impressive. So seeing that man has been, uh, has been cool. Oh, and Texas state, right. Sneaky, good team too, man. They beat Texas, right. They beat, uh, they had that little incident with whoever they were playing the other day. <laughs> that interesting. Uh, we don't need to get into it yet unless you want to break it down. That's fine. No, it's, <laughs> look at the end of the day, if you guys want to go look for it, there's a clip, the Texas state closer. He's the guy that's, you know, throwing the horns down to the Longhorns during their thing. Well, he did the same thing the other day, a little weak fly ball to end it. He waves at the bench to, you know, see you later as they, they sweep some mediocre team. And it's like, dude, like, I don't, I think there's no place for it. I like the showmanship a little bit. I'll, I'll see a bat flip. I love it. That's fine. But for me, that, that's just a little, little lack of class personally, but <laughs> Uh, but yeah, check it out. There is a clip out there. The, the head coaches after the game got into it, you know, they little push and shoving match and I don't know, whatever you better win if you do that shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, There it is. Um, notes that I had six of them. You'd hit a couple of them already. Arizona sweeping Stanford at home. That, that was a Saturday to Monday series. So it's kind of weird. I don't know if that was pack 12 deal or what, but, uh, a little wrap around. LSU narrowly avoiding the sweep by AM to open up conference play. Um, and like, dude, that, that game, just watching the athletes, you're like big leaguer, big leaguer, big leaguer, probably, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy just seeing the athletes and bodies on the field and the pitching. That's just like, I mean, they have a, like multiple dudes out of the pen going 95, 96, both sides. So good for you guys. Yeah. Uh, but they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll be just fine. Uh, Notre Dame swept at Louisville, Louisville, apparently legit. Um, they're 16 and four Arkansas sweeps, Kentucky for their 11th straight Arkansas. Um, I'm sure is going to continue to roll there in the top five for, or I think they're three right now. Um, UVA, like you had said, uh, they're the real deal. They're now 19 and one sweeping BC who BC apparently has a dude that's just legit as well. Uh, Jared Perkins was able to get out there and watch them this weekend. Um, we might be able to throw that clip up because it's ours. It's incredible. Hey, let's go. Uh, and then uh, lastly, UNLV. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the Mountain West standings. UNLV is leading the Mountain West currently, 6-0. Nevada, 5-3 and three behind them. Take a guess where SDSU is. Sixth. Is there only six teams in the conference? Because they're last. So they're eighth? They are last. They're 0-6, and they are like 4-16 and 16 to start out the year, bro. Something like that. Uh, it's, that one is not right, but they're definitely 0-6 in the Mountain West. So, dude, that, that conference is a bloodbath, wow. as you know. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. And, and how it always works, like SDSU, very mediocre season, and then runs through the playoffs and goes into the regionals and then makes a run at the World Series. <laughs> it yeah. seems to happen all the time. So, like, never count them out, right? But I'm very surprised just going down there this fall where I went down there for that uh, ABCA uh, coaches – uh, environment or speaking deal and um, seeing some of the coaches there I mean you would assume at SDSU you're getting some of the better players in California I mean that place is beautiful to play at right like it, it sells itself Tony Gwynn I mean uh, they'll find a way I would think but 
go pack go pack <laughs> yeah shout out to the pack shout out to san jose state who's actually holding their own right now too and might be a, a factor in that whole thing so who knows the 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 winner coming out of there will probably have 14 wins in the conference you know because yep. everybody <laughs> just beats each other yep uh all right let's go ahead and get into the good news of the week All right, good news of the week. I have two for us this week. Number one, highlight of my day, man quits job to offer Scottish Highlands trips in a school bus. This dude is, uh, he was 19 years old, working at some firm overseas in England, uh, got about a month into his job and said, yeah, F this, I'm out. And uh, bought a school bus, a New York City school bus, had it shipped out uh, over there. He got it refurbished so that the inside is like, I don't know, like a mini home almost. Uh, and he drives people around uh, for like five or six hundred dollars for like a six day trip, like a hundred dollars a day per person. And they they do hikes. They they go and they stay at like little like little down by the water area. Um, they'll do some rock climbing like it's wild. This guy's like a full blown tour guide now. Uh, but like f- fully dropping everything he had on his plate in his life and just chasing something that he felt was calling him. Uh, and I think it was after watching some Netflix documentary, you know, so uh, oh. thoughts on dropping everything and getting into something you actually want to do. Hey, probably his happy score and happy meter probably went up about tenfold. Dude. That's probably just skyrocketed. I mean, that's so cool. If you can do it, go do it. Chase what your passion is. I love that. He's chasing it on the heart. You never know where it comes from you, right? You never know what speaks to you. A Netflix documentary might change the way you think to where you just say hey it's my time and this is this confirmed that i'm going for this thing and doing things a little differently that's awesome i love that for those listening what's a what is a good happy score what's a what's a happy score rated 10 out of 10 baby it's out of 10 10 out of 10 make it easy. Nah, a 10 out of 10 is a great happy score but if you're sitting anywhere from like 7.5 or higher you're doing all right seven and below is solid like, c okay. like, solid, like a solid c. c plus ish you know like that's not a bad day i'd say a good one's eight to ten that's that's a pretty good happy score if you're if you're teeter top between there you're, you're a pretty happy person i feel that i feel that what's like what's a number where you got to start reevaluating things and maybe watch a netflix documentary to send yourself on a, a life spin five or less dude yeah five or less check this though to check this so there's and it's crazy how the world works so talking with coach nielsen right with harmony and he uh he was telling me yesterday this guy that he used to coach and he's from seattle u he played for summer ball for for coach a while ago and he actually played with the diamondbacks i I knew him i didn't know that he was talking about this guy but he played with the d-backs too in our minor leagues i never really got to know him that well but he was within the system right he came in a couple years after me and then like my last year his first year we saw each other spring training and then we kind of both obviously had released and he played a couple years and then he got released and uh was big into drugs right was was doing a lot of pills and those types of things and uh just for whatever reason he had a call with Aaron and it's funny how Aaron always inspires people, but they do go chase something that you're passionate about. Like go do the same thing. Literally what you're just talking about moves to Guatemala to become a Yogi from Northwest, right from Seattle to Guatemala to be a Yogi in the mountains and is a a thousand times happier, right? Like found himself, no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Like totally clean his life up, like loving life, connected with nature, uh, crazy spin. So kind of the same, I guess, just, kind of popped to mind that's what it's about dude i mean find something that 
gives you the fire for adventure you know mm. whether whether it's going outside or not like find something that has that fire and lights it under you i think that's awesome uh last one quick little note and and just because a hit because vanderbilt and coach corbin and all of them uh vanderbilt the school itself gives every employee fifteen hundred dollar bonus in recognition of efforts during COVID over the last two years how sick is that awesome. everyone even the part-time folks got a fifteen hundred dollar check just this week class i love it dude that's how it should it. be that's how it should be Absolutely. Can't wait to see that uh, MLU COVID bonus coming. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who's the, is there a board of directors here? <laughs> Where's we're our looking. investors? We're looking, we're looking for investors. We just plugging looking. it out there. <laughs> yeah. That, hey, and to follow with the good news, that makes a good point. We are going to be setting up something so that you people will be able to invest in some youth sports uh, for the kids as well. If you, you, the big mission for Project Sandland has always been helping the youth. We know a lot of you guys have had some barriers in terms of the wallets and, and all the stuff with crypto stuff. We want to make it super accessible. So we're going to allow you guys eventually to fund somebody's camp. I mean, $100 is putting 10 kids through six hours of training. So uh, we're going to get something set up for that. Uh, I figured it's good news too. So Great news. Um, Great news. Chew on this presented by Grimes. Welcome back to on this. Uh, Austin, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you've ever had them. Actually, you, you've had them. My wife's had them. I've had them. Uh, some people call them the wise. Some people don't even say the word, but we're talking about the yips today. Uh -huh. um, yips. First of all, yips. I'll explain, I guess, yips in general for people that are, are have never heard of it. I think it's kind of just strictly like a baseball term. If you're a basketball guy, it doesn't really kind of click. Maybe unless you have a guy that has trouble shooting free throws, honestly. Yeah, it does. Uh, but when it's, it's when you start getting into that, those automatic, uh, you know, little things that you do in sports, like swinging a bat, throwing a ball, whatever. Uh, and it comes to the point where you start thinking about it so much that you can't do it uh, when you're called to. Uh, your, your brain focuses on what's happening rather than just doing it. Um, that was probably a pretty poor explanation. But uh, in terms of yips, what, what do you got? Um, and let's just dive into that. Yeah, there's this is a common question. There's actually, ironically, uh, an athlete from Louisville who reached out about this, right? And it's crazy to see how these things work. And it's like this like mental block, right? And I had it when I was playing at first base and it came out of nowhere. I don't even know why it came. And um, I just remember there's a small pitcher and it felt like the target was extremely small. And so I, I was really trying to force it to him. And then all of a sudden I threw it over his head and it just spiraled out of control there. And you feel like everybody's watching you. In reality, when you go to a baseball game, you're not even focused on really anything. You're just having a beer, watching the game, and just really probably on your phone too. And so for me, it felt like everybody in the stadium on the other team on my team was bearing down on me with laser focus on their eyes. And like it was every move counted, right? So I started to throw from way down here, kind of lob it yeah. up, and then uh, it was bad. And I remember one of our coaches, he got the yips on front toss. Right. He couldn't oh, find the no. zone. So he had to go left handed because he couldn't find the zone in his front toss. Right. It was horrible. And it was like <sighs> this. It was kind of a joke, but it wasn't a joke to him. And uh, it becomes this mental block and barrier. And I think the, the biggest thing is a few things you can do for it. 
routines are good, right? Having some sort of a routine, like whether it's how you step your feet, how you move your body. Um, the thing that helped for me was rhythm. So if I caught it in good rhythm and just freaking just went right from the catch to the throw, it was much easier than if I caught it, took my time, waddled around and then tried to throw it, right? Because then it gives me some time. Um, the other thing was like catch, step, step, throw from like a, a little side angle and kind of lower my arm slot on it. Um, but it was crazy because I could throw anything anywhere on the field except for back to the pitcher, right? For like this year span, it was horrible. And so it just came from trying to let it loose. And um, I remember one time my coach got on the mound and he was a little more old school, right? Very, very old school. And, and he gets on the mound and he's pissed off at me and he starts chucking it as hard as he can, right? Dude played in the big leagues for a game, right? So he like, he chucks it as hard as he can. And he's like, throw me the effing ball throw me the effing ball. Probably not the best way to go about it, right? Because all that did to me was like, oh my gosh, this guy hates it's me. There's no way it. I'm playing, dude. Yeah. And we're out there in pregame, right? In the middle of batting practice. And he's picking off as hard as he can, breaking my hand and telling me to chuck it at him as hard as I can. Like literally hit him in the face. And so uh, that was his way of me breaking it. Didn't work. Right? Didn't work at all. It just made it worse and it made me hate him. So that wasn't the best way. Um, there's another thing called taps. And, and so taps, you can either do like, hey, tap the body boom go which is hard if you're throwing to a base right as a catcher because sometimes it, it um, exceeds to that too uh, the other thing is like counting i found that counting was kind of helpful so like hey catch one two three four one two three four one two three four right and you can extend the counting but what that does it just distracts your mind from what's actually happening so little things like that but until you recognize it and own it that's the biggest thing. So many people run away from it, right? We saw it in college with, with one of our teammates and like, we don't do it. We don't acknowledge it. It's like, everybody knows it. It's like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to say. Yeah. So like we all know it's happening. You just acknowledge the freaking thing. It's the yips. Cool. You got it. Right. But why is it so hard to say it? But until you say it and accept it, you can't move on from it. So you got to accept it, get some help. The taps. I know that one helps a lot of people. So um, maybe that's some helpful advice for somebody out there dealing with this, but it happens to a lot of people out of nowhere too. Yeah, dude. It's happened to me. I had the same thing in high school. Like I couldn't throw the ball to first base. It didn't matter how mm -hmm. much time I had. And it was it, the Altuve. Yeah. Same deal. Right. And it, and it usually comes from the plays where I had too much time. I mean, give me a ball mm -hmm. on the run or diving ball in the yep. hole and that ball is, but at the time I, like if I had a routine, it was, it was sales, you know, I was just like, holy, you know, and I need to figure this out. But yeah, I, the other ones I'd heard the ways to fix it. I had a, a guy tell me a couple of weeks ago that they were spelling out states in their head as they're throwing because <clears throat> it's just completely something different. I think, feel, think that goes with the rhythm thing as well. Um, the taps are good. Uh, I, for some reason, for me, those two taps start to turn into three taps, would turn into like seven taps. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh man, um, you know, but uh, those two. I, I just don't think, I think there's no true way to like say, Hey, this is a surefire way to fix it. You know um, I think like you said, acknowledging it, I, I think nobody wants to say anything to the guy because they don't want to like bring up something that might spark it and make it worse. So it is a weird, like stay away from the sick guy type thing. Right? Yeah. But my favorite one that I had heard uh, they would compliment another player on the field or talk to the pitcher, like per se. So it was like, he'd catch one he's like hey nice spot right there you know for me was like hey let's just direct the attention at someone else and the same thing goes for like when you're having you're struggling at this right and the best way to get out of it is to help somebody else with what they're doing you know and that doesn't mean you go up in their face and say your swing sucks this is what you need to do when you're hitting 0 for 15 but uh, i think if you can put 
the weight on somebody else and show it's a team sport. It always is a team sport. The only guy that feels like an, he's on an Island is the pitcher. And mm-hmm. that's if he has no one behind him. So I don't know, just some food for thought <laughs> An interesting, interesting day on the wise. So chew on this, chew on this. Uh, today, today's interview is with Dr. Caleb Mezzi. Uh, he is a very bright individual. He has all the accolades and he is the guy to talk to when it comes to the mental side and mindset. Uh, we're really excited that we finally be able to get him on uh, the podcast with us. And then he's going to dive into a lot for you. So uh, without further ado, Dr. Caleb Mezzi. Uh, we're back, everybody. We have today a special guest, Dr. Caleb Mezzi. He's joining us. He is uh, huge into the career transition side of the athletes and, and obviously athletics and, and the way things are going nowadays. There's a lot of help that people need, uh, and this is the guy to lead them there. He's also diving into a really cool uh, uh, course with Kobe, uh, and I'll let him dive into more of that. But before we get into that, Caleb, how are you today? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it's fun to always talk to, you know, people who have played the sport that I love. I know you guys have the same kind of passion. Um, and then to be able to talk about what I'm doing, what I'm super passionate about right now, and kind of catering to that audience and the need of professional baseball players as they venture into life after sport. For, for those listening, can you just dive into, first of all, kind of a little bit about what you do uh, wholesale for the people listening? Yeah, so... I, I should give a caveat there, which is my angle there is as a professor. So a lot of people who look at career transition, peak performance, mental health, mental skills, whatever you guys call it, um, either on the field, in the you know clubhouse, whatever. I come at it from an educator perspective, which I think is unique. Um, obviously, I'm biased because it's who I am, right? But like as a professor, I know how to deal with student athletes. I know how to deal with the 18 year old, the 17 year old coming into college, right? I know how to deal with the 22 year old going into another career. What industry they want to decide is a totally different, you know, journey that we're going to embark on. But I know that demographic. Sometimes I know 17 to 25 year olds because we have those junior hockey players who, uh, who are in school longer than Van Wilder. But I will say that my perspective as a professor helped me to, when I went to get my doctorate and pursue my research agenda, right, which is the career transition for athletes, it helped me to, to look at it from a different light, from look, looking at it from an educator, right? So I took that opportunity to do some research, look at what is career transition as a whole, right? And you can look at it from the perspective of a mom going back to work after raising kids. You can look at it from a high school kid going to college, um, a baseball player, a military vet who's now going back to either civilian or to another workforce. Um, any of our parents who are 60, 70 years old who are now going into retirement, don't want to collect social security. So maybe they're going to work at some, I don't know, school or volunteer opportunity. Like how does that transition work? So once you understand tr- career transition, transition as a whole, you get in this sports specific model. A lot of research out there was around uh, military, as I said, Olympics, um, really student athletes, I would say college universities, and then the individual sports, because it's a little easier when you don't have to get the buy-in from the league or the PA, and you can just deal with the individual as a whole. So like tennis, golf, right? Olympics, we get it because the independent contractor model. So I was looking at that. I'm like, there's nothing really out there for baseball. I mean, there was a little bit, but very much like a little bit. And that kind of got me focused into it. 
Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about the Kobe class now, but I'll, I'll start there in terms of like what got me into this kind of the background thing. And then what I, what I do is it's different case by case, depending on where this, the, the player may be, right. If they're 22 years old, they have no higher ed education. Maybe we start with just kind of an exploratory, you know, what do you want to do? Discovering who you are outside of baseball. You know, we've talked about this before, but like, you're more than just the game you play. Your identity is greater. You might be a brother. You might be a father. You might be a husband or a fiance, right? Like there's more roles that you play. There's more titles to your name. And I think a lot of that has to do with that process in the, in the, I guess, pecking order of how you're going to fall out and, and retire, right? Like, are you 26 and you're going through rehab because you have an injury? All right, well, we're going to talk about what that looks like, what you could be doing now while you're rehabbing, sitting at home and feeling some kind of like FOMO from missing out playing with your friends. So the convoluted answer is it all depends on where they're on the process. But I do like to start with that self-discovery, that career exploration, what I call in the academic setting and what kind of fit my research is going from the player, the person, right, to the professional. So that, that switch is like going from home, being in the batter's box, getting hit, or I should say making contact and running to first, right? We're not at first yet, but we're making contact and we're putting the ball in place so we can at least try to get on base. Yeah, it's a little different with the 19-year-old the that just got cut from pro ball to Tom Brady, who's been in it and decided he's coming back. You know, it's a little, a little bit different, but for you, how did this all start where, you know, you played sports growing up too, or, you know, how did this all come about? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I mean, I, I'm not like a good athlete. I, I love <laughs> the, the mental stuff. Like I, I'm just not a good athlete. Like I love the mental stuff way more. So like anytime I was playing a sport, I would offer to be a captain. I, as you can tell, I'm a type A personality, right? Like, so I <laughs> wanted to be captain, like, at recess, at like the playground, whatever. I wanted to be a captain so I could just pick everybody who had the skill that I didn't have. So like everybody who was fast was on my team because I knew that if I had to play against them, I couldn't keep up. Honestly, I would probably be winded and just like lay down. But the mental thing, I would kill you. Like I, I would just go against you and I, I would psych you out. I would make the best players messed up. I mean, even if like we're playing football, for example, and some kid was like, you can't tackle me. I'm like, I will tackle you. This is what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do and then I'll do it. So like, that's actually why I love Kobe, to be honest, if we want to bring it back there. So I sucked at sports, but I love sports. And I, and I love the whole, the whole mental side of things. I love the whole like competing. Like that was what I loved. It wasn't the athleticism because I didn't have any. So like I was actually on the baseball team. It was the only sport I played at the high school level. And I was pretty much like a coach. Like I would get pulled out of class to go make lineups with my coach. They would ask me what, what I thought about it because a lot of these guys I like, grew up with or knew like, they were in my class. Like, what do you think about Steven hitting third? Like you think Joey should bet first, like those kind of things. And I'm like, I should be in this class, but I don't really care. So like, that's what I used to do. I'll tell you a really funny story since you guys are baseball guys. We were playing this school and I was not, I was like total bench player. I was like the glue. Like I was the clubhouse guy. Like I would stand on the fence, watch the catcher, get the signal from the coach. And then I watch him, you know, send it to the pitcher. The pitcher confirms and goes all that route. By like the third inning, it's obvious what they're doing. And the, the coach and the other team, just like this big fat guy, he could just like, you see everything that's going on with his signals, his legs, like you could just see it all. So I would just stand there and go fastball inside, curveball outside. And I would just do it like for the whole, so that the coach and the other team gets angry, tells the umpire, I start walking away. I have the scorebook because that's all I do is keep score, right? And then 
the coach gets thrown out. They're like, what do you want me to do with him? He's on the team. He's a kid. Like, what do you want me to do? So I'm just like relaying pitches. That was the part of the game I love. And that's the part where like people say baseball's boring. I'm like, you don't see the details that go into it. You see a home run, you see a pitch, you see someone reacting to that pitch, right? Whether it's a curveball, swing and miss, or they just take it. And you think it's boring. You think it's like, like checkers, right? But there's so many other things going on that just make the game so much more mental and keep you on your toes that if you didn't play, you really don't understand. So mm. that was like my career, right? And it, was, it wasn't until probably I was like in sixth or seventh grade where I was like, you're not going pro, kid. Like you're not. I think I was like good in sixth or seventh grade. And then I just didn't get any better. Um, I wanted to be an agent and I wanted to be an agent because I didn't know of any other careers. And I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 35. So I was at the height of like the Jerry Maguire era. So we didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't even have Google back then. Understand that. Um, so it was like Jerry Maguire came out. It was like, Hey, if you're not going to play, you can at least be with the players. Right. So I like pursued that thought I would, go that route and I ended up doing some internships in college with the sports agency but I don't know how you guys have uh, relationships with agents or anything but it's a ruthless cutthroat industry and it's really like there's no ethics or morals I didn't that's not me that's not my personality that's not how I can go to sleep at night so I, I saw a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have seen did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done um, if video was around you know on the Motorola Razor phones back then it would have been <laughs> interesting because I don't know if I would have gotten in trouble but the best part about it was it, it opened my eyes to what athletes didn't get and the way athletes were treated, right? Like the agents looked at them as commodities to ring out almost like an ATM. Like, how do you get money from this person? I always say this. I've said it on other podcasts. Sorry, agents look at athletes like a sprint instead of a marathon, right? When the athletes retired, all the agent really cares about is, is that person broke? Or are they financially stable? Because if they are broke or if they're not financially stable, it comes back, who was your agent, right? And that's where I'm like, you know, I see this stuff happening. And all I really wanted to do was be behind the scenes. Like I was in that scenario where I'm stealing the signs and calling the pitches. I didn't want you to be like, oh, Caleb's doing that. I just wanted to be like, how do we know this pitch? Oh, this dork in the back is doing it. Like, that's all. I don't want to be the front and center. So I, I was like, I see an opportunity here to work with athletes in the transition. It helps that I'm an educator and a professor that I'm already in the classroom with students, right? And I'm already helping them build out their career. They're the same as a baseball player. They're the same as an, an NBA player, same demographic, same age. The only difference might be their bank account. And you know how much that lasts, right? Like it's either if you're a minor leaguer, it doesn't last long. If you're an NBA player. It's nice to have that. But how is that going to last when you're 27 and out of the league until you're 40, right? So I'm not here to financially educate. I'm here to educate and empower. And what I think that you can do is that if I can help you on this path um, that my research shows and help you through this phased approach in the transition, what I can do is I can help you really control your own outcomes and take control over the things in your next life, like in your next career. Um, if you want to have a family, that's a priority. If you want to be financially stable, that's a priority. I can put you in contact with those people. I mean, very similarly, what I do with my students is like whatever they want, I have access to people that can get that. So networking is a huge part of what I do. But as I'm telling you, like someone who played sports at the highest level possible for me, right? I stopped, realized that there was a, a loophole. How could I get involved? How could I see myself here? What, what assets do I have? What skills can I lend them that I think that they need, right? You concentrate on the game. I can help you with this stuff. And then how does that translate to my, to my professional life as it would for a baseball player? 
I can just imagine you guys banging on trash cans when you're back there as a, you know, a sophomore in high school, making sure they got those things relayed. I love it. I was going to say, if the Astros thing came out then, everybody would have been like, yeah, that would have been something you would have done. But we didn't have that kind of um, system. <laughs> the but. system wasn't in place yet. Yet, yet. You were just, just fostering it a little bit. Um, no, Caleb, this is very interesting. Because, Not yet. Uh, I remember when I was playing, right, and, and I remember retiring, and I, and I shared the story the other day. Well, we've shared, we talked yesterday, Ray and I were talking about how cutthroat the agencies are and just kind of it's everybody wants things for free. We want the publicity, we want this, this, and this. And it's, it's challenging because sometimes we'll reach out to athletes, agents to get them on the podcast. And it's, well, how much are you going to pay me? We're not paying you anything. I'm sorry, dude. We're not getting paid for this podcast. We're just doing this for free to give out good educational content for others. And hopefully somebody takes something out of it. And so I remember going through professional baseball and I, and I retired in 2018 and, and really retired means get released a couple of times. And so I get, I'm done. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm hanging it up. And I remember looking at my bank account and I'm 15 grand in the hole, right? I'm, I'm in debt. I'm wondering like, how the heck am I going to get any money back? Like I'm still paying taxes on minor league pay from California and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I'm not making any money here. Like, what do I do? And I remember going back to school, finishing my degree and then getting into the workforce a little bit and just trying to just find something right. That spoke to my heart, but what is like the first step for an athlete or even just a, a person to take, but specifically for us in this podcast, athletes, whether it's college or professional ball, when their career ends, and you mentioned it again, we talked off off script about this with the identity piece, everything you've ever known is gone. Like what's that first step? How are you walking them through? Like what's kind of your process to get people on the right track to go chase a new vision, a new goal, a new dream for themselves? Yeah, it's it's a complex question in, in the fact that I'm going to tell you exactly what the research says, right? The research says that it's not a singular event that happens. So okay. the way you phrase it is exactly how the baseball player feels. And I'm not blind to that. I'm totally aware. Trust me, I've done pilot studies and, you know, this dissertation where we did the Delphi technique and we interviewed all these people and got there. That's how they think. This happened, turn the page, I need this. Or now I, I, I'm faced with this, right? But the thing that we have to understand is that it's an ongoing process. So to me, the number one thing that should happen, and this is almost like a wish list because it's not going to happen, I know that, is... The minute you get drafted or signed or whatever, there should be somebody who introduce you, introduces you to someone like me or orients you to the fact that the odds are against you. It doesn't mean you're not going to make it. It doesn't mean that you should screw plan A and start planning for plan B, but it it's a reality check. And the problem with the reality check that, that they don't get is that when it does happen, it's a smack in the face, like you just said, right? It's a smack in the face, like this moment happened, now I'm retired. Now, if I have a player who, and this happened during 2020, right? Not only were these players not getting cut, like confirmed getting cut, they didn't know. They were like, hey, you're going to go home. We can't monitor your training. We don't know if you're going to go to double A. We don't know if you're going to be here. We don't know if another team's going to pick you up. We have no idea. So that was a very interesting limbo because we don't know if it's ending. We don't know what's going to happen, but you have to explore. So the first thing I would do is I would have like a Zoom session or meeting with the player, right? If they want to incorporate anybody else in the family, I would welcome that. But a lot of times it comes down to ownership and accountability. And that's within the person, not within everybody else. We do get to, down to the point of like, who do you have as a sport team? I'm well aware of mental health struggles, right? With the identity. So like if someone is suicidal or having these kind of thoughts, I don't want to be the one to address it. I want to know who you have in the sport team, who I can connect you with on that side, because that's not my forte, right? So to answer your question, the first thing is, 
how do you explore who this person is? Because we have to address identity. We have to hit it head on, right? So I always go like, what is the first thing that you think about when you think I like or I'm interested in baseball, right? And I think I might've told you guys this before. It's like, you ask 10 players that question, you're going to get 10 different ten different answers. But usually it's along the lines of, I'm good at it. And if you think about that, that's one of the first things that I want to hit on with these players is because if you're going to only like something because you're good at it, we are going to struggle with other things. So what I try to do then is pull back from baseball for a second. What else do you like? Do you like cars? Why do you like cars? Do you like watching TV shows or movies? Why do you like them? Why do you like this genre? And I start asking the question of like, why? Explain to me, because you can't just like baseball. It's a tangible object. It's a ball, right? So unless you have some weird fetish, why would you like <laughs> a physical ball? It's something about the sport that you like, right? Like it's the rapport with teammates. It's the camaraderie. Like it's being a part of a team. Maybe it's the failure part. Like that's what I love about baseball. Mm. I love that you can yeah. fail and learn from it, right? But everybody has, when you get to the root of it, a reason why they like it. So I'll give you this example. Pull away from baseball for a second. Had a student once who said they liked basketball, right? They played basketball on the team at, at school. And then they told me they liked art. And I said, well, let's figure out why you like that. Well, she was like, I like basketball because when I have the ball in my hands, I feel like I can control the outcome of like, am I going to pass? Am I going to shoot? Am I going to drive to the basket? Whatever, right? But I like having that control because it allows me to improvise in terms of what I want to do. And I said, do you feel the same way when you have, you know, a, a crayon or a pen or a marker or a paintbrush in your hand? She's like, yeah. And I, that is like the, the come to Jesus moment of like, that's your identity. That's who it's baked into. You like to be creative. You like to be expressive. You need to improvise. You need to have this kind of control in your life. So everything in life is not like this. We know that. That's a pipe dream, right? Like, how do we kind of say, this is who you are. This is what you like. And let's speak to that in different industries. Let's connect you to this person. Let's have you look at this job description and see if it fits for you. Let's have you shadow or intern at this place so it can embody what you actually are. And this is the part that they don't do with baseball players, right? I have never heard of a team. Maybe there are some player development people. I, I'll give them a little credit or coaches who look at a player and say, like, this is how Austin learns, right? Like, this is how he learns. So if you know how you learn, if you know how you think, it's easy, right? It's easy to approach things. It's easy to approach hobbies. It's easy to approach relationships. But that's the part that doesn't happen. So to me, that's the, the start of the process, right? Get that early and often. Let it continue and, and kind of grow on its own. And then when the retirement happens, we have options, right? Like we look at Kobe Bryant. The guy started a rap career at 20 years old. He sucked. He was not good. But he did that because at 20 years old, he didn't think he was going to play in the NBA for 20 years. And he did, right? And then after that, he wins an Oscar. Look at Tom Brady. Everyone thought that Tom Brady actually retired the second time because he had his NFT autograph company. He had the Brady brand that he just launched, right? He has his production company. Like he has all these things. You're like, I could see that. He could retire, he go there. Look at other people. Like I hate to get, you know, morbid, but like Junior Seau, he didn't really have anything else, Right. And when that starts to happen, that's the scary part. But it's very rare that a guy retires, jumps into something that he wasn't already working on before, right? Like I look at CJ McCollum um, in the NBA and I'm like, this guy loves wine. 
and he was a, a PR, I think PR communications major at Lehigh, obviously a good school Lehigh, but he already like could articulate. He knew he went through something in media. He knew he had an interest in wine. He's doing it great. And he's like the definition of working in silence because nobody knows about it. Nobody speaks about it like it, like that. So those are just some examples, but I think it's that process starting it early. So that when retirement hits, you're kind of, you know, running. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that perfectly answers, but like that, that's to me the, the first step in the process. No, it's, it's really good. And it's, <clears throat> you hit on a couple of things too. It's like, okay, one as an athlete, and especially a really high performing athlete like CJ McCollum or Brady or those guys, how can we maximize our platform and how can we use our platform to expand our brand and expand what we're doing, right? And impact, if you want to say that too. Number two, I love wine, right? Number three, we love NFTs. So it's like all these little things, right? That are kind of adding up. It's like, Hey, if you enjoy it, if you're passionate about it, go through it. Here's my favorite part about what you said. You asked them why it's like, Hey, you like baseball, but why do you like baseball? You like sports or cars or wine, but why do you like it? Like, what's the thing that drives you towards that? What's the thing that gets you engaged and excited about it? And I would assume that when you're going through this process with athletes and just people in general, even in your students in class, it's like you start to get them uh, thinking a little more deeply about the subject. And then it's like pulling out the, the ins and the outs of what they really are passionate about. And that's what I love about this process that you take them through. You mentioned the Kobe thing. I know we talked about it off script, but I think it's really important for our viewers to know this. And it's something that they can get access to. We'll, we'll link it in the bio and everything as well. But what exactly is this Kobe class? Like, like take us through the Kobe class, take us through what that entails, what it's for, what age group it might be for, who can it apply to and really how you came about with that. Sure. So can I give you a story going off the last topic before I give you the Kobe answer? Absolutely. Yeah, lay, lay it on right, us. So lay it on us. <laughs> this is a player I, I've worked podcast and I've actually known him since he was in college. So is a player who went to Villanova, ended up going to the Cubs. His name is Matt Caesar. He actually just recently retired. Ooh. You might know him from the NFT world. Yep. Um, but we had, we had a, you know, a conversation because I, I remember when he was like 22 and he was the quarterback of Villanova and he was like the right fielder, um, fast, one of the fastest players I've ever seen. So we're having a conversation. I'm talking about like if he's going to transition out, like if he's going to retire on that kind of stuff. And I'm asking like what he likes, you know, what interests him. And every single thing that he was saying stemmed back to his childhood, right? He loved art for the expressive thing. I'm going to go in a room, make a huge mess, paintbrushes everywhere, colors everywhere, paint everywhere, all that stuff gets it all over me, get dirty. Same thing in baseball, same thing in football. Everything stemmed back from that. And I remember having a conversation with him. I was, it was like on my iMac or on Zoom when everybody else was doing Zoom. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, you ever realize that like everything you just said that you like stems from your childhood? And he just like stops talking, looks at his wife and goes, he's right. And it was like the, it was wow. like the craziest moment because I said that to him not to like, you know, call him out, but like, just to understand, like, we all have an inner child. Sometimes we express that. Sometimes we hide it. Like, I mean, if we have a horrible childhood, we want to hide it. But like, if you can go back into that, Right. That's where like the, the true, you know, you comes out. And there's like all this research. I'm not going to, you know, say if it's true or not, but like your shadow child, your son child of like how it, it comes out of you, right? Like who you want to be and who you're projecting to be, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to give that example. Um, really so the answer to the question about Kobe, I'm from Lower Moreland High School. So that's the school I went to. He's from Lower Marion, 25 minutes, 30 minutes away, um, from where I grew up, Kobe grew up. So when I was little and we had newspapers instead of Twitter, like everybody knew about Kobe. You just talked about Kobe. Like, you know, he was like, you know, the local boy who was going to make it. He was in the NBA. He was a superstar. And growing up, I mean, I, 
I had the Iverson days because I'm a Sixers fan and I'm in Philly. But like Iverson and Kobe were the same draft, same year. And watching them go about it, it was just like, those are two guys you want to emulate in terms of their work ethic. Um, they're on the court stuff. We won't talk about practice, but they're on the court stuff and, and how they handled things and the battles that they went through. But I always just had an affiliation to Kobe, I think because of my local ties and just always loved the mentality that he had where it was like a little bit of arrogance, right? A little bit of isolation. Like people hate him. They thought he was confrontational. And I was like, he's who he is. He's authentic. He's real. When everybody's trying to like, I'm going to be, you know, prim and proper and I'm going to make everybody my best friend. He didn't give a shit. He wanted to win. He wanted to conquer. He wanted to reach inside you, pull out your heart and step on it. Right. So like everybody else on January 26, 2020, when he passed, I was shook. I was literally downstairs putting my son in a shoulder to go to the park with him and my wife. And I'm getting texts from my friends, like TMZ links, all that kind of stuff. I didn't believe it. I thought it was a hoax, whatever. And then when it happened, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is someone who I like love. Like I didn't care about the accolades. I didn't care about the 81 points. I didn't care about the 60 points. Like I, I didn't care about this stuff. I cared about like how he went about his business. Cause I was never going to the NBA ever. Right. Never. It's never happening. So how could I at least take something from an NBA player, right? That's what it had to be. It had to be the athlete mentality, which I believe is a thing, even if you're not an athlete. So I thought to myself, there's so much content on this guy, almost like he's a mythical character. And one of the quotes that he always said was like, even if you die, you still live on in these stories. And he always like referenced like Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs would always live on even if he was dead because he has the legacy of Apple and then like all the quotes that he has all the stories he told, all the things you heard about him. So I started listening to these podcasts that I've always like had on my radar, went back, watched his show. I think it's Showtime. Yeah. The Muse read his books again and like went through this thing. And I was like, you know, I can make a course on this. The other thing is, is that I believe a lot of the Mamba mentality has these skills and this journaling reflective process that students in college today need. Because it's so easy to go to college and say, all right, I'm in accounting 101, whatever, right? I'm in uh, business communications. And then I do the assignment, I get a grade, I'm done, I forget everything. I didn't want this class to be like that. So we did like, we have weekly journals where we talk about what is your identity? What do you like, right? And it's amazing to see how many kids' parents are divorced and what that did to them. It rattled them, they had to move, right? They don't see their sibling, they don't see their mom. like. All these things, you find out so many details of students that they bottle up and they can never share in a classroom setting. Then we take Kobe content. So whether it's articles related to him, TED Talks related to like the topics, you know, maybe it's um, curiosity. That's a theme for the week. Creativity, that's a theme for the week. How do we take that stuff, put it all together, say this is the content, you take it on demand for that week, whether you want to do it Monday, Tuesday, I don't care. But on Friday, every time we're going to have a discussion and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to get real and authentic and we're going to get that feelings to come out of you so that you can learn that other people are just like you. They're vulnerable and they're going through some shit. Right. So created the class that runs every fall at the university that I teach in. What I've talked about with you guys is I want to uh, create this. So it's offered to athletes. Don't really care about the age as long as they put in the work, because that's the mob of mentality. It doesn't matter if you're 50. It doesn't matter if you're seven put in the fucking work. Like, that's it. Just put in the work. So 
I'm going to create this class. I have to, I guess, compress it a little bit because it was over 15 weeks. We have to compress it a little bit to get the content, the journals, the assignments all there. Um, I will tell you that for the one, the two times I've taught it at the university in which I teach, we adopted a lot of um, assignments that Kobe did when he was in high school. So one of them is like a storytelling assignment where you have to tell a story to kindergartners. So you find a local school and you tell a story to these kindergartners. And when you tell that to college kids, they're like, oh, this is going to be easy. I got this. And then when you start to get close to the due date, they're like, what am I going to talk about? Right. And they're like, it's really hard to captivating and, you know, get a five or six year old's attention. And it is right. But after that process, they felt super uncomfortable. They went back into that inner child. And at the end, they felt so rewarded because they saw a smile on a kid's face or the kids will be like, wait, how does that pig climb up the, the ladder? It doesn't make any sense. And they like start calling the stories out. And it, I'm like, now you know what it's like to be a teacher. But it's also <laughs> fun because we're going back to what's fun about us. Like, like, let's go back to like where we could tell stories. We can relate to different audiences. Instead of talking to your, your boys and your bros in your college dorm while you're eating like Cheetos and watching Netflix. Like, let's get back to that. So I could go on and on about this class, but I don't want to make it too much about the Kobe class. Uh, but that's kind of like, the I guess the structure and framework of the class and, and what it's supposed to do and who it's supposed to be offered to. Well, and I'll kick it off D Ray in a second, but here's here's what I love about it, Caleb, is that and I'm just taking some notes here, like because because I've had an idea of like running out a, a six week, eight week, I don't know how long, like kind of course, but maybe it's interactive, maybe it's not, right? Doing some of those. But here's my favorite part. You, you give them the weekly journal prompt, right? You said, hey, our college kids need to be journaling this stuff out. Like, let's dig deeper. And it's not like, hey, write three things you're grateful for, which is successful and can help. But it's like, what's your identity? Like, what are you curious about today? My buddy has this journal and I don't know what kind of journal, but I want to get one of them. It's really interesting. And it'll have these like these prompted questions every day. And like some of them are like, what makes you curious or what what drives your success when you're feeling down or like just these like interesting questions that really dig deeper and they hit like this emotional cord within us that pulls out the best in us. So we're big on journaling here with MLU. That's like a massive thing. Ray Mack freaking dominates that with his sessions and it's for you to tie that in with your athletes and with your students is incredible. Um, and I just love how you've used some other platforms and your own knowledge and wisdom and research and tied them all together to create something really special for other people. Um, Ray, I'll kick it off to you here as we, as we keep kind of rolling. Yeah. <clears throat> the biggest thing I wrote down was self-discovery and oh. what it feels like is, you know, you got a lot of athletes that'll come in and I'm sure they don't know about the course They're They're going, Hey, it's Kobe. And then they're coming out of it going like, damn, I learned a lot about myself, you know, which is, which is yeah. a big thing um, for people that are in these courses or that work with you, what do they do uh, moving past that? What are, what are some things that they can do to continue this uh, kind of journey of self-discovery, I would say? Yeah, so this is a, a great question, like to follow up on um, the initial question of like where that process is and, and what the first step is. I think this is the second, but it's also the ongoing step that, that never ends really. Um, I'll address the, the, the classroom thing because I think a lot of this after self-discovery ties into making connections in the field that you want to pursue, right? And that's something that should never end. That's essentially what networking is, but people just don't want to define it. They just want to use the term networking is to connect with people in the field, right? Go talk to them, go shadow them, interview them, and then build that relationship. It's not just, hey, I talked to you once, we're best friends. Because that's what a lot of people think, especially in this, this social media era where it's, if someone follows you, you're, you're uh, going to their wedding. 
Like that's what people think. So in true, the self-discovery very thing, <laughs> there comes a, a point where you, <laughs> in the self-discovery thing, there comes a point where you have to assess skills, right? It's almost like if you're at a combine or a showcase, they want to see what your, you know, your exit below is, like your launch, like all these kind of things, right? But you have to know where your skills are because then that allows you to basically audit yourself to where you need to be, right? If you don't have experience in this industry, how do you get that experience? Right. So we're taking a, a natural audit of who we are. And then we're looking at the marketplace. Where do you fit? Like tactically, one of the things I do is like, this is how we're going to look at a job description. Like, I don't care about your resume yet. You have no experience to put on your resume and a resume is a formality. I'd rather get you in front of someone to talk, skirt the system, do an interview. Right. Because that's all, you, that's all you want. You want to apply for a job. Why do you want to apply for a job? Everybody's like, Oh, to get a job. No, you want to get an interview. Then you ace that interview and then you get the job. That's what people don't understand. It's like, I want to hit a home run. Well, actually, first, what you want to do is get in the batter's box and hit the ball. And then home, home run's not going to happen your first hit ever. I mean, I don't care who you are, right? You have to hit the ball. You have to practice. So that's the thing I do is after self-discovery, we can start that process of assessing who you are, right? What skills you have, where you are in this, you know, either financial thing, professional setting, whatever it may be. We can get there. We can start to look, look at a job description, look at a marketplace, look at what industries are out there. Um, you know, a lot of times, and this is not really answering a question, but a lot of times people be like, oh, I should work in sales. And then I ask why? Is it because you like to talk to people? You like to build relationships? So that's where we work backwards into looking at what the skills are. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So I, I don't know if you have a follow-up question. I can continue talking about what comes after self-discovery because that's like the fun part. Um, it's like, you know, open field of like anything we can go. But I really think that making connections with the field or the industries that you're interested in is like the next process after that. Because then you're going to learn, right? This guy has a great life. He works nine to five. He has, you know, two kids. That's good to know if that's what you want, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I, I might want to work in this industry. All right, well, do you also want a family? Do you want to make this amount of money? Do you need to make this amount of money? And if you do, maybe that's not the industry for you. So that's the other thing I don't think they teach you, right? They don't teach you that in most colleges. They don't, definitely don't teach you that in baseball of what's out there for you. A lot of baseball players get hit with the same thing. I'm sure you guys got hit. You want to work at Amazon in the off season? Yep. Right? Like that, Orange Theory Fitness, baby. You... I was the best instructor out there. Come on, maybe me and me and the, yeah. the, the different age ranges. <laughs> so, so think about why they give you that. Yes, Amazon pays well. Okay. But they give it to you because it's mindless for the most part, it's mindless. And that's how they want you to be a foot soldier, a cog in the wheel for their system. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like when you get drafted or signed, go to single A. We're going to play you this day. Oh, you're going to sit this day. Oh, wait, we need you to pinch it. Come do whatever we tell you to do. So like, there's this huge part of like not being able to think for yourself, as I've said, because when I did my pilot study, all I ever heard from baseball players was task at hand. And why do they say task at hand? Because they can't think strategically because they're programmed and conditioned not to. But if you do task at hand, hit 25 homers, you'll go to double A. All right, now that you're in double A, make contact, drive the ball to the opposite field, play multiple positions. I don't know, increase your muscle, whatever it is that we're measuring. Now you're going to go to triple A. And then you're going to get to the big leagues. Task at hand. Now you're in the big leagues, go through arbitration, get your big contract, task at hand. And that's all they ever do for you. So that when you're retired, you're like, what's the next task? So I get emails from 
athletes all the time. Can you give me an internship? I said, I could, but what is that going to do for you? That doesn't set you up for success to control your own outcomes, to build a career that gets you an opportunity. And that's where the Amazon thing comes in. I'm not dissing on Amazon. Trust me. My wife orders enough things from Amazon, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying like, let's think strategically instead of, you know, running that way. So after self-discovery, it's how do we set these strategies up? Understand who you are, strengths, weaknesses, transferable skills is a big thing. I could talk for hours about that. And then going into the marketplace and then setting you up for opportunities, whether it's placement or interviews or shadowing or whatever. Do you find that other sports are in the same kind of concept of just task at hand, football players, basketball players as well, or does that come more of a baseball thing? I think athletes as a whole are. I will say it's different for individual sports because a lot of it falls on them. So yeah. while there is a task at hand, there's more of a strategic training or strategic con conditioning, like, like a Michael Phelps, right? I know, I know he's like an extreme example, but like, it's really all on them. If they mm -hmm. want to train or not, it's, it's kind of all on them. But even like the student athletes at D1, D2, D3 level, I do think it's very task at hand. Now I'll say this, this is where baseball players I think are at a disadvantage. And this is something that people don't want to talk about. I, I'll throw back a question too, to you guys is you have the shortest off season. And that is not, that's not a, you can't, you can't debate that football has the longest off season. So while a football player could be like that, they could also get an internship in February, go until at least June or July to work this internship and over the off season, three to five years, which is the average build up experience. That's a longer off season than my students have. They only have mid May to mid August, right? I mean, I just told you the NFL has a longer off season. Okay. Now for baseball players, they're off season like maybe October or November, right? And then it's like maybe February. But like that's also the holidays. Who the hell's hiring then? Who the hell's working from December uh, 20th to December 31st? Or I should say January 3rd. Nobody. And nobody's hiring unless you work um, at a retail store or a mall, right? So you're screwed in a way. It's You're slighted. The question I have for you guys is, is there a way or is there time or space to carve out that you could do something remotely? Remote work is the biggest thing right now, right? Could you do that during a season? That's the question, because if you could start that process early by doing some kind of remote work as a minor leaguer, it would be amazing for, but I don't know if that's possible. Well, this, and I'll let you comment on it too, by, but this is where we talk about it as college coaches, like how BS the entire, Hey, let's show up at, 11 a.m. for a five o'clock start thing that college baseball is or baseball in general, because you're at the field all day. Like Kobe or any other basketball team is going to show up an hour and a half, two hours before tops, get there, get their work in, get ready for the game and go. Whereas, I mean, we needed to find ways to feed our dudes because they had no way to eat lunch or dinner by the time we had an evening game, you know? So having a separate job, I don't even know if that's possible. I personally, as a, <laughs> a college student, I couldn't no. do it, you know? It's uh, in there's a couple guys yeah. that I've, I've played with or that I've talked to now that they'll do like remote lessons in the summers and, and throughout the seasons and they'll make a little bit of cash doing that. But even that, I mean, you're you got the bus rides, right? You've got the long trips, you're going to be tired and then you got to get up. Like Ray said, you're there at 11 o'clock and there's a seven o'clock start and you go there, you bring in your food, you hang out for a minute, talk with each other. Boom, go work out. Cool. You come back in, you eat. Boom, you're now on early outs. It's like you have this whole day of practice for five, six hours where you're pretty engaged 
And then you go, oh, now I got to prepare for the game, which this is my number one career. But if I want this other career just to make a little extra cash, like I got to do this. And it's so hard to juggle all of that. By the way, I have family that I got to talk to, a girlfriend or a wife, kids maybe. Like there's just a lot of other obstacles and challenges that come along with it. So to answer the question, man, it's like the most challenging thing is, yes, do we want to? Not really, but it'd be nice to make some extra cash. And then can, is it is it like logistical? Can I really actually do this? Right probably not right so like puts you in this bind and like you said you go back to the off season and it's not like oh i'm gonna go get this great sales job for these three months or four months it's like dude i get in i start to get the feel for it and now i'm out and now i can't do it remotely or i can't keep this up and then spring training it's like you're not getting paid and you're there even longer right 6 a.m to 6 p.m and it's like okay you want to go work from 6 p.m to 10 p.m that's great but you're going to have zero juice and then you're going to get released. And then it's just all these little things that kind of come along with it. It's just a crazy deal, man. It's wild. That's why I love what you're doing because it's so impactful. It's so powerful. But this is also why, and you know, the question of what comes after self-discovery, this is why self-discovery has to happen then. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yes, if I'm telling you, go get a job, go get all this, you know, other work. It's not even about getting other work. It's about building a resume, getting experience, right? Sometimes it's paid. Sometimes it's not. But what we should be doing in the minor leagues through that time is self-discovery. And mm-hmm. that could be done on the field. That could be done off the field. That could be done with friends. That could be done with family. That could be done with coaches. That self-discovery has to happen there so that when you do, I'll say graduate, but transition out of the sport, now we can do that focus, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. I was kind of like setting you up for this pitch of like, how do you get back there? Because I think the interesting thing here is, is that you could work on skills, right? Like you could watch a YouTube video of how to program if that's what you wanted to do, but you can't take a class because of the commitment. Or mm-hmm. you could watch a, a YouTube video on what SQL or R Python is because you want to now be a scout and work for, I don't know, the Baltimore Orioles in their scouting department. And that's what you want to do outside of your career when you, when you retire or when you fa- are phased out, right? So you could watch some videos, but you can't go get a job with the Orioles because you're playing or something like that. So to me, it's time commitment. But the thing is, is we do this anyway. The amount of players, minor leagues, or all the way to a 48-year-old guy who's a financial advisor, right? Everybody's on TikTok for at least an hour a day or something, right? So what could you do in that self-discovery phase? That's what should be happening in the minors. Um, I know that you guys watch film. I know that you, you know, are always practicing or hanging out with the guys playing video games or whatever. There is some areas of space that we have to carve for that learning experience to take place but it all to me kind of folds into that self-discovery so that when the transition happens when the retirement happens or the injury happens we can look for work for you introduce you to the marketplace hone those skills a little more and talk about that i love that that's so powerful and it's so so true too um ray you want to kick it off into the game get it rocking yeah let's do it Let's do it. So let's go. We didn't prep you, but it's pretty simple. It's called on it or off it. Uh, it's going to be ten a list of ten things, random things. Uh, you're going to tell us you're on it, you're about it, you're off it, you're not ready for it, and then just like a quick sentence as to why. Okay. All right. Number one, East Coaster here. Lobster rolls. I'll say off it. Uh, oh. Do I have to say why? Yeah, yeah you, not, do. Now you do. Now you do. <laughs> it's not that I. It's not that I don't like them. I just lobster's not my top. I like crab way more. So I'm 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 bipartisan here. I'm picking. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, my dad's best friend was a lobster place. So if he hears this podcast, I'm, I'm sure he's pissed. <laughs> yeah, crab cakes yeah. and football. You know. 
Uh, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Oh man. <laughs> I, I'm going off it, but I love Hardball. <laughs> hey, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. He's not a great My, my, actor, pro- though, my problem with Keanu Reeves is like, yo, what's up, dude? Yeah. I'm not into that stuff. So. Same guy, every role he's ever been in. So, every, um, every, yeah. <laughs> baseball card collector. Oh, sorry. Go Hell ahead. yes, on it. I was going to say, Keanu Reeves is the most random actor just to throw at me. It's funny. <laughs> Hit him with the second one, dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> baseball card collecting, 100%. have some of my cards right here. Nice. How many you got? Like, what? Estimate. Oh, that's a. All right, put your own I mean, it depends if you're talking about. It depends if you're talking about raw cards or or slabs. Like, yeah. I'll tell you, my PC is Bryce Harper right now. Nice. Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. No, no. Uh, number four, wine. On it. Yeah, I wish I drank it more. Yeah, hundred percent. The yep. driest red possible. Really? Okay. Very nice. Uh, Biggie Smalls. On it. Hardball. <laughs> yeah, back to hardball. That's the go. theme here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number six, you mentioned it a second ago, TikTok. Uh, off it. Yeah. Can't I'm, deal with I'm it. I'm showing up. my age. I'm showing my age. I don't like I what it does to people's ego, and I... I love social media, but the social aspect, not the me of the media part. And I think TikTok is just too vain and um, narcissistic. That's a great answer, honestly. Love it. Uh, number seven, golf. On it, like wine, wish I did it more. <laughs> Very good. Uh, black coffee, number eight. Uh, I'm gonna say off. I'm gonna say off it. I'm gonna totally seem like a, a dweeb here. I love oatmeal creamer. Ooh, hey, okay. that yeah, sounds okay. pretty bomb. I, I put in some cinnamon roll creamer in myself today, so I'm with you. I, I had that. On, I had that on Saturday. I was at a friend's house. And he goes, "We have oatmeal creamer, cinnamon, cinnamon," <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, I'm, I'm in." It's Saturday. It's Saturday. <laughs> uh, number nine, Gary V. Oh. Uh, early Gary B or now Gary B? Give me both answers. Early Gary B on it. Thought he was great. Gary B now, I'm not going to have one sentence for you, I have a lot, is a flip-flopper. He says one thing, does another thing. Um, I've talked to Gary B. I have a cell phone number. Like I've talked to this guy before. Um, he's too trendy and he's a cult leader and that kind of bothers me. Like he's created this cult of people who, you know, no days off, hustle culture, all this kind of stuff. And I think it's very unhealthy. Um, it's not real either. Um, but I think he has good intent. I also think he is amazing, amazing at content, which is why I like the early Gary B. I would say on it. I wish he would just stick to content so I'm doing life advice and this whole like hustle thing. Like I, I don't think we need that. Like let's stick to Kobe for that. But if he would just stuck to content, content creation, content systems and all that kind of stuff, he really knows that world and he's awesome at it. That's what took off for Wine Library. That's what made him so successful. Yeah, yeah. Is that you think he? Do uh, you think he buys the Jets ever? You think he gets there? Yeah, you're opening a huge can of worms here. So <laughs> this is one of the reasons why. This is one of the reasons why I said I'm off it. It's because I really, when I say Colt, it was my the nicest way I could say this, but I don't care. I'm going to say it right now is that if you think about how he goes about his business, all the businesses he's in, all these things that he's doing, like the thing he did with Josh Luber right now, 
all of it seems like a Ponzi scheme and we are just in his pipeline so he could buy the Jets. Take my money, you know, fuel this economy, which is literally what his book is, right? How can, how can you give me money so I can build up this business, this book of business, this empire, so I can buy the Jets? Here's the thing. Why would you want to buy the Jets? <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to be super mean here. I think that the guy who Gary Vee wants to be is Michael Rubin. And I love Michael Rubin. I think he's a genius, right? Like, Michael Rubin's a Philly guy too, but he owns the Sixers. And I think to myself, they have to sit next to each other. And Michael Rubin's probably like, how does he want to own the Jets? I already own the Sixers. And Gary Vee's like, I want to be Michael Rubin. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I did. take of all time. You know, it's incredible. Put, we're just going to put that in its own segment right there. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Gary V hot take. The thing is, like, I, I've actually talked to Gary V. Like, he, he he knows my name. I don't know if he knows me personally. But, like, I think that he's just so good at digital content and content creation, content curation. He knows audiences that it just it took fire and went crazy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, last one for you. Number 10, the Yankees winning the World Series this year. Oh, shit. You're crushing me. Keanu Reeves, Gary Vaynerchuk, and the Yankees in the World Series. I'm going to say off I'm a Phillies fan. I'm going to say off because I'm a Phillies fan. And also, I think the AL East is insane. Um, I think yeah. the AL mm-hmm. itself is insane. But if I have to pick my top two finishers for the AL East, I don't think the Yankees are there. It's the Blue Jays and the Rays. I, I don't know who finishes, but I can't count out the Rays. And the Blue Jays are lethal. Yeah, they're dirty, dude. They're gonna be nasty. That whole that entire division, you're right, is gonna be legit this year. Even talk, I talked to Dahlbeck the other day. He's like, "Yeah, we're we're feeling good about the Sox." So, hey, good luck to you. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Trevor Trevor Story as a second baseman is the the Red Sox have some of the most underrated underappreciated players like devers nobody talks about the guy he's nasty dude he killed it last year he had a massive year last couple years yeah oh man well caleb we appreciate you joining us man on on the podcast we appreciate everything you're doing for athletes we'll plug it in the bio here um, and make sure that people know where to find you um, and can get more access to what you have going on but thanks for what you're doing man for so many people it's very very inspiring i love the mission i love the why i love the purpose and uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us today man yeah thank you i'm happy that we talked about self-discovery because i think through those um questions and in the hot corner at the end I learned some uh, stuff about myself, so thank you. It's <laughs> a journey, my man. The greatest hot so take ever. Us, bro. This has been great. So if you need anything you from guys. us, reach out. All right, for sure. We'll be in touch. All right, we are back. Uh, Dr. Mezzi, first of all, thank you so much for joining us and sitting down with us. Uh, bye. what did you get from the interview with uh, Dr. Mezzi and, and break that down for us? Yeah, I just love his his passion for what he does, man. He's so confident in what he does. He, he believes in it wholeheartedly, and he provides a great opportunity for career transitioning for athletes to transition into life, whether it's college or pro. I know he works predominantly professional level, but even collegially, right, and even high school, right, leaving that, like, what is your identity after sports? That's a huge message to be preached. It's something that we preach a lot about and something that we're passionate about. So I think that one stuck out to me about how he helps athletes get to the next level in their life, right? Finding maybe a career, a job path, something that they're passionate about they can do for a living and not just finding their sole identity in the sport that they play or what they do on the field or the court. So um, definitely a bright young individual, man. He's got a lot of passion for what he does and, and he brings the juice, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember we had talked with them and sat down the first time I'd ever met him, and, and he's talking about his Kobe class 
Uh, yeah. and, and he's a teacher and he, he breaks down Kobe's life and, and lessons that you can learn from it and things that you can take from him as a, a person, including, you know, obviously the accolades on the field, the court, but it's the person that they're looking at. And I think that's just such a cool way to, to evaluate leadership and to learn from leadership. Um, so check that out. I mean, I think he does offer, I'm pretty sure it's online. So make sure you check it out. And, and again, Dr. Mezzi, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to linking up and hopefully working, you know, somewhere down the line. So uh, for you guys, if you guys are ever interested in helping us out, make sure you like and subscribe. That helps us on the YouTube algorithm. And then uh, be sure to check out majorleagueuniversity.com. I think it's uh, evolving, obviously, and we are always making new posts to put things up there. Jared Perkins has done a great job getting back into the blog game. So uh, we can't thank you guys enough for joining us, for listening to us, and for spending your time with us. Uh, we hope you guys have a blessed week and we'll see you soon. Peace.